Well, hello and welcome again to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy, and I'm privileged to share with you today insights into metrics. I know what you're thinking, that this might be a topic you already know everything about, but today we're going to think like a CISO and talk about which metrics we should be using and how they can drive outcomes. And of course, driving outcomes is an important component of your job as a leader. Well, as always, please follow us on LinkedIn and make sure you subscribe so you can always get the latest updates. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsor. Today, every business is a digital one. As we migrate workloads to the cloud, adopt DevOps tools, and support remote workforces, digital identity becomes the new security perimeter and the number one target for cyber attacks. CyberArk, the leader in privilege access management and identity security, interviewed a panel of 12 Global 1000 CISOs on the changing risk picture. They offered specific recommendations on how to mitigate risks using a zero-trust model. Learn more at www.cyberarc.com CISOview. Okay, let's dive in and see how we can use metrics to be a more effective CISO. I guess probably we should start with, well, what is a metric? Isaka's glossary describes it as, quote, a quantifiable entity that allows the measurement of the achievement of a process goal. Oh, there's kind of a nice little buzzword compliant definition for you. But uh, you know, let's compare that to ISO 704, which is the ISO document on terminology. A metric is a thing that is measured and reported to help with the management of processes, services, or activities. Hmm. Okay, are you starting to notice a trend here? NIST glossary, tools designed to facilitate decision-making and improve performance and accountability through collection, analysis, and reporting of relevant performance-related data. Okay, so if we had to synthesize all of this together, what we're starting to see that regardless of the source, that at its core, a metric should drive an outcome. It's not just measure for the sake of measuring. As you used to say, don't collect information that is not relevant to a future decision. Now, there's some things you collect because you required for compliance. I mean, this is kind of almost like a log question, right? But things that you track, I can remember times where you used to keep track of things. Some people will manage all kinds of details. And as a result, they say, well, what are you going to do with that? Well, I know it's just kind of interesting. Well, it's nice that it's interesting, but if it doesn't, change a future decision, then maybe you shouldn't be, quite honestly, wasting your time collecting it. Gartner suggests we look at four different things when you're thinking about a metric. Number one, what data is required? Number two, what stories can it tell? Number three, what questions does it invite? And then number four, how sustainable is it? Hmm. Now, if we're going to go ahead and look at our metrics to drive an outcome, then what we want to think about is, well, what are we going to report on? And when we're reporting on information or metrics, three things to think about. Status, trends, and goals. And the status or measure, we say, well, where are we now? Let's think of a simple stoplight. Right? Is the light green or yellow or red? It's just a simple indicator to let us know where we are. And could also be a number, like it takes X number of days to remediate vulnerabilities in our enterprise. So a status or a measure, which is really kind of a data element, 
This is at the technical level, and if you will, it's a snapshot in time. Trends or metrics are going to show us what direction we're headed. Are things getting better or are they worse? If you had 10,000 vulnerabilities in your enterprise, is that a bad number? Well, maybe. I mean, kind of, I think my lawyer buddy says it depends. If the previous month you had 1,000 vulnerabilities, then it's probably pretty bad because it looks like things are getting worse. But if the previous month you had 100,000 vulns and then you're now down to 10,000, it's a really good win story showing that your developers are fixing problems and things such as that. And so as a result, trends are a good indicator of how long it could take to perhaps meet the goal. If you go back to that stoplight, for example, you can really get frustrated when there's a red light that takes forever. Trust me, if you're in Florida, you will probably find a few of those lights that are <laughs> they're literally like three minutes long, and that seems like forever. Well, that's because there isn't an indicator necessarily if it's going to be red for 20 seconds or two seconds. One of the things I kind of like over in Europe is some of them have a little countdown. It's like, okay, fine, you're getting some sense of progress, and then I guess you don't get so antsy anymore. Well, these types of trends help us out. We can kind of get forecast our time to the goal. And something as simple as a countdown on a traffic light, a little digital thing that I've seen, you know, basically the walk, don't walk. We see that. Those are trends as compared to a status. When you're coming up to an automobile intersection you're like, or a car, you're like, I don't know, is this like going to stay green or not? So I don't know about you, but I kind of look off over to the side and see if I can see the, the pedestrian thing. And if I see a little countdown timer going five, four, three, two, you kind of get to know what's going on. So you can see trends can change your behavior. Kind of let you know whether you should start to slow down or for some people, whether you should speed up. And then ultimately, if we're kind of looking at our, where do we want to go as a goal? That's a description of our destination. You can think of it when you know you're done. Without, without having a goal though, you can kind of wander around and then struggle to focus on your priorities. I think it was Yogi Berra who said something along the lines like, if you don't know where you're going, you're sure to get there. And that another way of saying that is be very, very flexible, or like we used to say in the military, semper gumby, always flexible. Well, let's take some examples of this. If we take something that a lot of us are facing as CISOs and try to deal with our our populations as phishing. So we know that phishing is probably one of the most common types of attacks that can lead to all sorts of problems. A successful fish could introduce malware into your enterprise, and worst case, ransomware. But in some other situations, somebody can get in there, uh, use compromised credentials, do business email compromise, BEC, and maybe try to eventually trick you or your customers or your correspondents or somebody out of something, and it's going to cost you some money. So as a smart CISO, we're going to probably put together some metrics on phishing defenses. And you decide that your organization wants to track how many employees click on a phishing email. And you also decide to track how many phishing emails actually get reported to security. So those seems like reasonably good measures. And so first, let's start with a goal. After we look at historic data, we might arrive at some specific data points. And for example, we want to drive down the clicking on a phishing email to less than 10% click-through on each exercise. Now, world-class, or I don't know if it's world-class or not, but really most goals are probably 5%. And although I've heard some people say, 
Well, 5% isn't that great because it still means one out of every 20 get clicked on. Well, what did you start at? And then, which again, when we talk about risk management, it's not about risk elimination. We're talking about reducing our risk, and this is going to help. The other thing also is you might want to encourage people to report when they get a fish. And let's say our goal is 20%. All right, so we've got a goal to say we want to ultimately drive down our email click-through rate on phishing exercises to under 5%. And we want at least one out of every five of our employees who gets that email to go ahead and report it. Fine. Those are goals. Now, those goals we can set up at the high level, the strategic objective level, is a key performance indicator. And now we can measure our effectiveness as a CISO through a cyber awareness program. In fact, we can use that to report to senior management. And then what we can do is we can request, for example, senior management to say, hey, this is important. We understand the implication of security or lack thereof and how it could impact the organization, our revenue, our performance, our stock price, et cetera, whatever it happens to be that's going to get people's attention at that level. Let's put these metrics in performance plans and let's tie them to bonus objectives. And now what we've done is we've taken this goal and use it to incentivize throughout the organization. Trust me, when you start to be able to provide inputs, and therefore adjustments to people's comp plans, they pay attention. I don't care what level of executive they are, uh, you've got their interest. Now, of course, that ability to influence your senior management to make them do that is another topic entirely. As we used to see in some of the old math textbooks, when you saw some really, really complicated exercise, it said, well, proof is left to the student. We've talked before about influence. One of the early episodes we did was on influencing people. Uh, and if you haven't reviewed that one, go take another listen to it or go listen to a first one. It was uh, on uh, Dr. Robert Cialdini, who, by the way, has just got a new version of his book out uh, as of May 2021. And I have it here waiting for me to crack it and open it and read through it again and get some more insights. But essentially what we have here, back to this topic, is we have set up a goal. We want to get a 5% or less phishing click-through rate, 20% report rate. We're going to track this over time. And then we've been able to go ahead and introduce this to management as a key performance indicator as to what is going on, how are we doing, and then please use this to incentivize the different divisions, the different departments, the different leaders in the organization, and the leverage that you get I was going to have to own a comp plan. Now, okay, if you can't do that like your government, figure something else out. Maybe it's a bonus plan or whatever it is. But as leaders, we find ways to, to motivate people. And again, it shouldn't all be sticks. There should be some carrots in there as well. With security as an incentive now throughout the organization, now we've got a couple goals. Number one, how has our organization performed over some cadence or some period of time? Are we going to go ahead and measure on a daily basis or weekly, monthly, quarterly? Well, if you're doing fishing exercises in this example, daily, I mean, if you're doing daily fishing exercises, well, that's kind of an overkill. And so that's probably not realistic. 
probably monthly would work well here. So for the example, what we want to do then is have something that'll routinely track this data where we can easily store it. Now, it doesn't have to be really fancy. I don't have to create this gigantic uh, online database and all this reporting, although many phishing tools, the more mature ones, will have very nice reporting and it'll collect the information. You can break it out by department. You can see what the click-through rate, etc. Regardless of whether you're going to do it yourself in a spreadsheet or whether you're going to utilize the reporting tools that come with a tool for doing this, it doesn't have to be um, that fancy, but make sure that you have these reports. And again, the nice thing I like about in this example for phishing exercises, having a tool that has reporting, is if you ever have any auditing, auditors come in there and they want to say, what data are you reporting? You've got a, a source that says, here's my record. Here is how the data comes from. It's not just an email that somebody sent to me and they said, well, look, I've saved emails that somebody said, hey, look, I saw a fish or hey, I saw that. People come, people go. And every time they do that, your, your metrics are going to change because you don't know exactly how many people are there. But having somebody who say, click here, click on little fish button, et cetera, allows you then to collect that information. Now, again, I'm just using this as an example, but you're starting to get the feel, I hope, that how you gather your information and what you do with it and how you report it becomes important. Well, now that we have a goal, we can start to see some trends. And since we chose the cadence of month to month, we want to make sure that we can go ahead and promote some positive change. First of all, we need a start point. And then from that point, we're going to try to go ahead and get buy-ins from other parts of the organization. We looked at phishing. That's pretty straightforward. And to a certain extent, uh, that could be used with a little bit of peer pressure. You could say, hey, we're going to report on by division, by department, or however you're organized. And to a certain extent, people's competitive uh, nature may take over. Now, although this isn't about fishing, and so I'll, I guess I'll just change the example so I don't go down the, the rat hole on that one. This thing I want to mention parenthetically is don't do a wall of shame. Don't go ahead and say, ha ha, look at these people. They click through or they are the bozos on the bus or whatever it happens to be. Because what you're going to do is you're going to have people who are going to dislike security. They're not going to want to deal with you. And anytime you email them, you're going to like, yeah, I'm not going to open that. That's from security. As a result, avoid that. So let's change the example. Let's just go to vulnerability reporting. Okay. That kind of gets me out of that, what I think is a sensitive area relative to people and their response to the security department. So let's say we're going out and we want to promote positive change and look at the number of vulnerabilities. And so things that we could ask ourselves about how do we get to our goal of being able to reduce this down, we want to get buy-in from other elements of the organization. Uh, have we socialized this, our goal with the teams, uh, before we brief their management? Now, this is an important layer eight element. And as you know, that's why my, my term for political is that if you're going to report on something that's going to essentially put somebody on report, making them look bad in front of their boss, then you're going to ruin that relationship. What you want to do is if you find that you have to report, and you may not have a choice. You might be said, you need to tell me by Friday what's going on on this. All right, fine. Well, if I realize that 
essentially somebody is going to be called out for not being in compliance with the goal or not moving in the right direction. So courtesy, give them a heads up. Because if you give this report to the manager and you show them this information that identifies a problem, the first thing they're going to do is go to their direct reports. Did you know about this? Why wasn't I informed about this previously? What are you doing to fix this? And again, if we haven't given these direct reports time to come up with answers and responses to these questions, or perhaps identify even additional information that is kind of mitigating, then they're going to get upset and security's making them look bad. And as a result, you're going to be eating alone in the executive lunchroom. Or if you'll never get to the executive lunchroom because that, that security person just is not getting along well with everybody else. Bad reputation to have. So what's the right way to do it? How about instead, let's focus on, let's say, identifying the number of vulnerabilities. And then what we can do is organize it or bin them up in a way to identify if there's some commonalities. For example, there might be four specific vulnerabilities that make up half of all the ones that we really care about in the organization. Uh, we'll, we'll see that this is prevalent across a number of apps and things such as that. And then perhaps we can go to take it to our developers and say, hey, look, we've identified over a thousand vulnerabilities across the organization. And the thing in common is they all relate to old versions of .NET and Java. Now, next week, we need to report this up to IT leadership. But we want you to understand what this is, if you have any plans to address these vulnerabilities, and you know, basically give them a heads up. Now, it might cause people to turn to and they say, hey, okay, fine, yeah, 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 we know. We're going to go, can you come back tomorrow and we're going to work really hard at it and make our numbers look good? Okay, um, as long as you're still within the reporting requirement and now you've given people a chance to recover. You might learn that maybe your team is struggling with uh, COTS software, commercial office shelf, uh, which are tools they can't even patch if they wanted to. And so as a result, that might be sort of a limitation. And so therefore, instead of trying to put the dev, dev team on report in the initial, oh, I'm just seeing all these vulnerabilities, we did a scan, look at them all, and then all the political fallout that comes out, by asking the questions, by having that dialogue, you find out that, hey, maybe this isn't even a mesh issue of patching, more it's a matter of risk acceptance to go to executives and say, look, we're using these third-party tools. We're using these external packages. We cannot patch them because we don't have the code, but we use them extensively in our enterprise. And therefore, can we go ahead and take a look at what is the potential risk of continuing this and should we keep doing it? That's a different question than, oh, these guys have got a thousand vulnerabilities. Get to the issue is a CISO, that C, that chief, means you're a leader and you need to start thinking through and not just look at the numbers. Come up with the reasons behind it. And sometimes the question you thought you were asking is better responded by asking a better question. You might also find out that one team doesn't have the resources to patch appropriately. Maybe their best people retired or took an onward assignment or something such as that putting the remaining people under fire from management who only gets the report of some number and saying that they're deficient in reaching their goals might be better off to flag management that the 
the team is lacking resources. And maybe it's an HR issue that we can go ahead and recruit or incentivize to get either new people in or transfer people over or get training or something like that to respond to it. What you're seeing here, I hope, is that as a CISO or as a security leader, you're looking to partner with your IT organization to identify an issue, learn what the root cause is, and then partner together to find a way forward that helps everyone in the organization. At that point in time, I think you're going to enjoy a more positive working relationship because people know that, well, you're looking out for their best interests. Yeah, you got a job to do. We all do. And when things are risky, it's important for us to inform management. One of our most important roles as a cybersecurity leader or manager, depending on where you are and how you approach, is still to ensure that your boss makes informed risk-based decisions. You don't go ahead and take away the decision-making power at a higher level. As we used to say in the military, uh, that's, uh, that's not at my pay grade. That's above my pay grade. Don't go there. But make sure whomever is empowered to make the decision is able to go ahead and have enough information to do it correctly. Another thing that we're looking at that is CISOs might miss on metrics is they're not smart enough. Now, if you've ever heard the term specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based, S-M-A-R-T, it's a great way to go ahead and identify whether things meet those requirements. If you're assigning tasks to your team, if you're going ahead and looking at goals, it helps to have them specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based. And what we find out to a large extent is that many of these things, the one that kind of fails a lot, are time-based. We used to teach a lot on policy and writing policy documents. We find out that to a large extent, people writing them may or may not use this template. Although it sounds simple, it's really useful, as they say, for setting and picking the metrics that make sure they're specific. And do we know exactly what we're looking at? Can we measure something? Okay, if I'm saying my specificity is I want to know the click-through rate on phishing. Is it specific? Yes, I can tell whether or not somebody clicked on it. Is it measurable? Certainly. Is it achievable? Is there any way to actually record the click-through rate on a phishing message? Well, sure, we have tools for that. The realistic or the R, I usually say, really? The question is, really? You're going to collect that kind of information? Is that possible? Yeah, of course it's possible. The difference between achievable and realistic, it's kind of a nuance, I think, for some folks, is achievable means is the technical capability there, and realistic is, is the organizational mindset there. All right, think about it. Can I do it? Technically, yes. Realistic? Nah, no one's going to go with it. In this case, I would say yes. The last one is time-based, though. And remember, if we just said we're going to collect this information over what period of time and how often are we going to look at it? If you have something like a goal that says, secure all the things. Well, that doesn't become very actionable, does it? We might want to have a metric that's a little more definitive. Patch our OS vulnerabilities within 60 days of a patch becoming available. Okay, is that specific? Patch your operating system vulnerabilities? I would think so, at least the ones that we, for pat, if patches issued, we can tell it's there. Is it measurable? Can I go ahead and measure whether or not a OS has been patched or not? Sure, I can take a look at that. 
Is it achievable? Does the technology exist on this planet to be able to patch an OS? Oh, yeah. Is it realistic? Come on. Really? You're going to patch your operating systems within two months? Yeah, that's really. And then the time base is we've got that 60 days. Now, you might want 30 days or a lot faster, depending upon what goal you're trying to reach. But the point is that we've established some sort of a, a metric that allows us to aim toward a particular goal. And then these types of metrics allow us to hit service level agreements. Now, if we have an SLA, those should be tied to things that we identify on a number of issues, including, for example, our BIA, our Business Impact Analysis Surveys. If you recall a business impact analysis, to go through and look at different elements of the organization to see how long can you be down before it has some serious impact. Quick aside, when I remember doing one of the first BIAs, I had done it for a telephone company, and they were consolidating, I think, seven different data centers into one. And one of the questions they had is, what do we put in our hot site? And all right, well, lots of applications, lots of things. And gee whiz, this is many years ago. I was in my 20s. and I didn't know how to run a large telephone company. But I knew the people who worked at the telephone company knew how to run the telephone company. And so what we did is we went through to each of the business unit owners and asked them a couple of questions. Hey, if you were down for a certain period of time, what's the impact? So accounts payable. If you're down for a day, what happens? Well, you can't pay a bill for a day. Uh, no big deal. What if you couldn't pay a bill for a week? Eh, well, we might get somebody mad. Couldn't pay for a month? Yeah, we get a late charge. Couldn't pay for six months, our suppliers cut us off. Hmm. What if you couldn't cash a check? Accounts receivable for a day. No worries. For a week? Yeah, we'll move some money around for a month. Yeah, it's a treasury function. Six months, we probably have to float a bond if we want to stay in business. But then you talk to the 911 help desk. Hey, what if you're down for a day? Oh my goodness, that would be catastrophic. We could not be down for a day. Okay, what if you're down for a week? Well, if you couldn't be down for a day, you couldn't be down for a week. And then what we find out is your BIA has helped prioritize what it is that you care about. And so what we then can do is take a look at this BIA analysis and identify what are our core applications and how quickly they need to be recovered to meet your service level agreements. For example, you can have time disaster recovery exercises. By reflecting the priorities of the organization rather than simply being what you think in IT or what you think is IT security, that is then supportable by the rest of the organization. They go, yeah, that was, this was our priorities, and off we go. So consider perhaps a concept of a hierarchy of metrics. And what your technical staff needs isn't really what executives need, right? At the technical level, we're looking at the data. And this set of data, this snapshot of information uh, would be called measures. And we look at them through charts and graphs. And in a way, it's a little bit like glancing at the speedometer. You're doing 50 miles an hour. Okay, how is that, is that good or bad? I don't know, if you're in the left lane of the interstate and there's people behind you honking, then you're probably here in Florida with your turn signal on, right? But in you're driving through a school zone at 50, that's not good. So the thing is at the data, the technical information, that snapshot in time, doesn't really tell you whether things are going better or worse, but you can collect a lot of that. And typically what we find is this hierarchy of metrics suggests at the technical level, we're gonna be collecting a lot of information. However, to make it useful for us as a security manager, we're going to distill that down. Having a snapshot doesn't tell us where we're going. So at the operational level, 
we want to look at analysis and trends. These become metrics, and instead of having a chart or a graph or just kind of a snapshot, we have a security dashboard. And one of the key elements about operational metrics is they show trend over time. And by looking at trend over time, we now find out, am I speeding up or slowing down? Am I getting better? Am I getting worse? That becomes helpful for us in terms of knowing where, what direction we're going. If we don't have a direction, we can't tell whether or not we're progressing toward our goal. Then lastly, at the executive level, as we had said before, this ties to strategic objectives. The strategic objectives are going to be at a high level, and often executives are going to communicate that through KPIs, key performance indicators. KPIs rec become essentially the distilled goal set of what we're looking for. And depending upon the organization and how they chart all that, could implement that with a balanced scorecard, which is a management technique to keep your executives focused on the core things that you really care about within the organization. Therefore, what we're able to see is that with a large number of technical metrics, this data become into a fewer, I'm sorry, a large number of measures, I always kind of try to get these, these terms correct, become metrics, which are trend over time, which then become key performance indicators, which is things that you can report up. Now, in his book, Accelerate, Gene Kim identifies four key metrics for digital transformation that's going to go ahead and expose more value, more people, more channels at a higher velocity. I guess that kind of goes with the term accelerate. So number one, your deployment frequency. And then the lead time for changes. And then the mean time to restore. And then the change failure rate. Sounds a little bit like kind of a DevOps environment. In fact, that's what Gene Kim is really well known for. If your organization has digital transformation as a key business enabler, then tying security objectives to these four is going to be a strategic alignment. And then what that does is it puts security in the right place relative to where the business is headed. All right, so hopefully this has given you sort of a foundation and you can get the idea that, yeah, this would be a nice thing to do. Well, what should I be tracking? What is it that makes sense? Security Scorecard has identified 20 key performance indicators that you could track for 2021. Now, we don't recommend reporting 20 metrics up to the CIO each month. All right, that's going to overdo it. But you can have inputs that do that. And then what you want to do is you want to consolidate that into some key performance indicators that are going to be important to the big boss. All right, so let's take a look really quickly and go down the list. Number one, level of preparedness. How can I go ahead and measure that? How many devices on your network are fully patched and up to date? All right. How about number two, unidentified devices on your internal network? There's your critical control number one. Your employees bring their own devices to work and you might be using IoT devices, Internet of Things that you're unaware of. These are huge risks and these devices probably are not even secure. Now remember, critical control one, which says all about how many you know, being able to keep an inventory of all your devices authorized and unauthorized. And so being able to identify those is going to be an important thing. And again, if it turns out that's not a problem, if you have a relatively closed network, if you've got things locked down so that you can't introduce foreign devices into your network. I've got my network, everything is kind of locked down. And you can set it up and things like that such that you can lock your switches down that if somebody tries to connect a weird looking Mac to 
a network connection, you could have something like Cisco ICE said, okay, fine, boom, we're going to disable that. And so it's, you can't get in there. So in that case, I wouldn't worry about that metric, but in other places, it could be a problem. Again, pick the ones that make sense to you. Number three, intrusion attempts. How many times have bad actors tried to breach your networks? Might be useful to keep track of that. Number four, MTBF, mean time between failures. How much time between either your system or product failures when you're looking at reliability issues? Manufacturers look at that, but also we might want to think about that in our environment if we have older equipment. Number five, mean time to detect. How long is the dwell time for an attacker who can be able to go ahead and set around in your network? As we find out looking at some of the Mandiant reports, that could be weeks and months in a lot of cases. How long do they fly under the radar? And then when you have a security incident, how long before you can detect that? How about mean time to acknowledge? What's the average time it takes you to begin working on an issue after you receive an alert? And then mean time to contain, how long before you can contain it based upon certain attack factors? And then mean time to resolve it, to respond to the threat, and then mean time to recovery. Wow, this really ties in an awful lot with what we were talking about previously with respect to how do we go ahead and do with incident handling. Preparation, identification, containment, eradication, recovery, lessons learned. We kind of walk right down that chain and you've got some measurable things right through there. Try up now, let's see, number days to patch. How long does the time your team take to implement security patches? There is a race condition between Super Patch Tuesday when Microsoft updates their operating system and other tools and exploit Wednesday when attackers who have had a chance to start to reverse engineer them, maybe publish little meta exploit plugins and things such as that. So days to patch becomes important because although there is a genuine concern sometimes that will this patch break my enterprise? And there's a whole philosophy behind whether or not you should patch right away or patch critical systems first or test systems if you have them. The point is, is we want to go ahead and be able to track and report on that because we're focusing in this case of the vulnerability of the lag time between patch release, implementation, and exploit development. How about cybersecurity awareness training results? Who's taken the training? Who's completed the training? And did they understand the material? And a lot of cybersecurity awareness tools will give us that type of a metric. So that's available. How about number of cybersecurity incidents reported. Now, we shouldn't be generating incidents for the sake of saying we've got things to report. However, it's a good sign if incidents are being reported because it means employees and stakeholders recognize issues, and it also means your training's working. Also, it's kind of a good measure for whether or not you've been able to drive the fear out of the organization relative to security. I'll give you an example. Uh, I had an, uh, actually one of the executives who contacted me a few months ago and said, hey, Mark, I think I clicked on a phishing link. Okay, cool, let's take a look at it. And da 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 da, da fired this thing up there in a sandbox browser, and sure enough, it takes me to what looks like a Microsoft login. And I said, did you give them your, did you put under your ID and password like they asked you to? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, no worries. Let's go ahead, quick, change your password. And I'll tell you what, I'll let you know when we hear from these guys, because, the whole idea is when they're doing a phishing like that, they're going to try to use your ID and password to log in. Well, I've got MFA turned on everywhere, so no one's going to get in. But instead of it being a focus on, oh, I screwed up. Should I report? Am I going to get in trouble? Try to change the, re 
the focus almost to like a little bit of a game to say, hey, let's find out when these guys actually try to get into our enterprise. And about 34, 35 minutes later, there was a first failed login. And it did come from a uh, country in Western Africa, someone we don't normally do business with and certainly not where my executive happened to be at the time. So I reported back to them and said, hey, great job. You, you caught it. We spotted it. We blocked it. And, oh, by the way, I thought you'd find it interesting to see where they're from. Closing the loop like that is a little technique that I have found that keeps people reporting to you. And no, I don't tell her bosses because the fact that somebody reported in is really what the behavior you want. You're not trying to get people in trouble. You're trying to protect the enterprise. All right. Out of the stories, back into the list. Just a couple other ones to see if they resonate with you. Security ratings. Security scorecard is security ratings to give your company a letter grade like A, B, C, D, F on different security categories. And they'll have 10 different things such as network security, your DNS health, the cadence of your patching, uh, endpoint security, things such as that, uh, even hacker chatter, things that might be out there. And based on these factors, you can then get assigned a grade so you can see at a glance how secure your company is relative to the rest of your industry. And that is often what executives want to see is, how are we doing relative to our peers? Are we better or worse? They always like to be better. Although I don't know that being better than average is necessarily a valid goal. You can be better than average and still get clobbered. Okay, you might have to strive for excellence, but that's, that's a different goal. Access management. Have you gone back and checked how many users have administrative access? I have a to-do list item. I put it in my Outlook calendar. Every Monday morning, I go in there and I look at my global admin list. Microsoft recommends having no more than five up there in your tenant, but I check them. And I don't expect to see anything there, but if something grows and shows up there and you see a service principal that has domain uh, admin rights, you're like, maybe I'll pull the string on that. Not something you look at all the time if you don't have reporting on it, but it's a quick check. How about security policy compliance? Are you tracking exceptions and configurations and compliance controls? If your exceptions are being requested and then granted, do we have a deadline for them? And do those exceptions expire at a certain point? I can keep track of all that. Probably one that we see an awful lot is cybersecurity awareness training. And that becomes high visibility. And we can document that. Also, are we including all members of the organization, including our senior executives? How about non-human traffic? The traffic that might go to your website or maybe to something that you have exposed out there to the internet, uh, is there a potential increase? Is there suggesting that there might be a bot attack that's out there or something is going out there and starting to bang around at your systems? Virus infection monitoring. Okay, do you use antivirus software? Windows Defender, in my opinion, if you have a pure Windows 10 enterprise environment, may be sufficient and you might not need a third-party antivirus. It becomes sort of belt and suspenders and you're paying for two things when you only really might need to play for one. That's a philosophical question that you need to work out on your own. But in any case, you want to make sure that your antivirus tool set, whether it's embedded in Windows or whether it's a third party, can scan things like mail clients, web browsers, IM software looking for no malware. How about your phishing attack success, the phishing emails opened by end users, both the ones that we send in, as well as the ones that we're taking a look at from the perspective of uh, actual ones, and then kind of cost per incident. 
it would be a pretty useful thing, in my opinion, to know what's it actually costing us to respond and resolve an attack. How much money are you spending on staff overtime, investigated costs, employee productivity loss, communications with customers? All right, we covered an awful lot today. And although it sort of sounded like a fairly simple topic, metrics, there's an awful lot going on there in that area. And therefore, what we want to be able to do is make sure that if we're going to have a program, that we focus on collecting metrics that drive toward an outcome. Only collect that information and things that are going to allow us to do what? To accomplish a goal, to move it toward achieving something, and then identify those technical measures that we can roll up into trends and become metrics that get reported as strategic objectives or key performance indicators. And if you're able to do that, you've got a much better handle on your enterprise. You're going to be reporting to your senior management. You'll be much more credible because you're telling them stuff that they get. And it's not a bunch of gobbledygook numbers, but actually distilled into business goals. And you'll be viewed as you should be as one of the security leaders in your organization. As always, thank you for your time and attention. I hope you found this episode of CISO Tradecraft to be valuable to you and also to your career. Please go ahead and share with your friends and with your coworkers and let them know where you're gaining this information. Feel free to follow us. And if you're on LinkedIn, connect to us and let us know if there's anything else that you'd like to know or something we can do for you. Until next time, stay safe out there.